they crossed, and then the, the waters came down and crushed Pharaoh's uh, armies and the horses and all the enemies were totally destroyed. Uh, they were finally free from uh, Pharaoh's tyranny after all those years of slavery. So in verse 20, uh, it says, Then Miriam, the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, that's also Moses' sister, took the timbrel in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and with dances. And Miriam answered them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and its rider has he thrown into the sea. So there's this huge event that just took place. I mean, it's massive. They've been, all they knew was slavery. All their parents knew was slavery. All their grandparents knew was slavery. All of a sudden, they're free on the other side. There was nobody left to go after them. All their enemies were destroyed. And uh, they're having this huge dance, this huge party, just celebrating on the other side of the Red, of the Red Sea that they're finally free. And after that moment of freedom... God leads them into the desert of Shur. So they're going through this hot desert. They traveled three days without a drip of water. Can you imagine that? I can't. I haven't gone a day without water. That I can. No, I haven't. <laughs> uh, three days without water, you're pushing exhaustion. You're pushing possible death. And when they finally got there, they found water. I, I, I'm guessing it was a big pond, a big pool or something. And they, I, I imagine after three days... I know John would definitely do this. Run and go dive in the water or swim and like get yourself cooled off. It's hot. I mean, it's hot in Uganda. It's hot in a lot of places. It's hot here. They jump in this water. They're probably lapping it up. All of a sudden, they're spitting it. Oh, gosh, it's bitter. There's something wrong with this water. In three days, they haven't had a drop. Can you imagine? I, I can't imagine that. They're, they're in need. Their, their kids are in need. They probably got nursing mothers. They have elderly. There's all kinds of age group, and it's close to 3 million people. And the children of Israel marching through there. They went quickly from this uh, enemies being destroyed, and they're worshiping and dancing and, and all those things. And all of a sudden, three days later, they're in trouble. They need water or else they're going to die. And uh, they're, they're, they're in big trouble. So they went to Moses, and they, you know the, what they usually did. They complained to Moses. And uh, Moses does a wise thing, and he, and he prays. God, what do I do? What do I do? Now, the answer God gives him is quite unusual, <laughs> don't you think? Uh, if we, I mean, I don't know what you do. You got three million people needing water. They're coming to you. What am I supposed to do with it? I can't make water just come out of nowhere. And uh, God tells him to do an odd thing. He said, you see that tree over there? Go take that tree and throw it in the water. It'll make the bitter water sweet. Now, I'm telling you, there's not a tree in this world that you could throw in water that's going to make the water go from bitter to sweet. All right, you could take an apple tree, you could take an orange tree, you could take a pomegranate tree or lemon, lime tree or any kind of tree in the world. You could take an orchard of trees and throw it in the lake, and it's not going to make the bitter water sweet, is it? But this tree was special. This tree was supernatural because this tree was a type of Christ. Okay? And so Moses sent these men over to go chop that tree down, and they beat that tree, and they hit it, and they hit it, and they hit it, and they hit it again until they finally chopped that tree down. The men grabbed that tree, and they threw it into the water, and somehow, because God said it, the water became sweet. As a picture of Christ, you see him getting hit, chopped, and hit again, and again, and again. He took that punishment so your bitterness can be made sweet. Amen? The bitterness of your heart can be made sweet. And, and, you know, it's a, kind of a natural progression in the Christian life. When we first get saved, you know, you have the party, you're excited. It's the soul-cleansing feeling. You've been washed of your sins, and you can feel it, and you know there's a change, and there's excitement, and you're, you're just so glad. And then after that, it, you uh, 
God leads you into this other place. It leads you into another place. It's a place where you recognize your bitterness. A place where you recognize there's something still in me that needs some more work. That needs something done. So these guys, here's a, here's a progression of, to me, natural Christian life. These, you see it with the Old Testament saints too. They were slaves. They were supernaturally released from slavery. They journeyed and crossed the Red, Street, sea, Red sea and all their enemies were destroyed. Same way we were sins. We were <laughs> slaves to sin. Okay? And uh, we've been supernaturally released from that slavery to sin. And all our enemies have been destroyed and brought to nothing, the Bible says. And it's illustrated through an uh, ordinance of baptism. All our enemies were destroyed. It's, it's under the sea. Our, the, the blood's covered it. Our sin's gone. And we're raised a new man, resurrected in Christ. Old is gone, but all things become new. And there's a time of rejoicing, but then he leads you to a place where you're uncomfortable sometimes. A place you might not want to go. A place of even thirsty, or it's dangerous, or it's scary, and that's what it was for them. He leads them to this place of bitterness. And I'm not saying he led them there uh, to make them bitter. I think he led them there to show them what was already in their hearts. And he can deal with their heart. And, uh, and the same thing with us, guys. I mean, just because you prayed the prayer to get saved doesn't mean there's not soul issues that need to be addressed. Okay, we address those in sozo type things. You might have gone through this and that and whatever. Everybody's gone through things, and it can easily cause us to, to become bitter. But um, we need that, that tree, to see that tree, see what, who hung on that tree, to take that bitterness, to, take that for, to offer forgiveness for what you've done and receive the mercies and sacrifice of what he's done so that bitterness can be now made sweet in your life. You don't have to hold on to bitterness. You don't have to hold on to unforgiveness and things like that. And he wanted them to be healed of this. And you can see that in the next verse. After he brought them to the bitter place, he made the water sweet. And the very next thing that happened after that is verse 26. And you guys probably all know this verse. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his, stat- his statutes, I'll put none of the diseases on you which I, which, uh, I put on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Right after this, this situation with, uh, with the bitterness, it's made sweet. He's doing some inner healing with them. He gives a covenant with them of divine health. Do you see that? It's not even, it's not even really healing here. It is healing. But it says, if you do what I say, you're going to walk in health. You're going to be healthy. So it's a covenant there. So God makes a direct connection with our emotional health and our physical health here. A direct connection with forgiveness and healing. And, uh, and after that, he leads him to a place of refreshing. Aren't you glad for the place of refreshing? After we deal with some of that stuff, he wants us to deal with it for our good, not necessarily his good, but for our good. Verse 27 says, Then they came to Elam, where there were, uh, where they were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees, so they camped there by the waters. They went from no water to bitter water to 12 wells and 70 palm trees to kick back and lay under the shade and cool off and be refreshed. After, there's a progression there, okay? I'm telling you, in your own life, in my life too, as I can testify, when you deal with the bitter waters, you deal with those things that really hurt, God's going to bring you to a place of refreshing afterwards, okay? It's, it, it's not saying the bitterness won't happen. It's not saying bitter things won't happen in your life, but you can get freed from that stuff and be healed of that, amen? All right, that was a good amen, guys. Uh, thank you. So uh, the second cross is uh, found in Numbers 21. 
4 through 9. They traveled from Mount Hor along the route to the Red Sea to go, and to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against Mo- God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us out into Egypt to die in the, de- in the desert? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes among them. They bit the people, and many Israelites died. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it up on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it up on a pole. Uh, Then anyone who was bitten by the snake and looked at the bronze snake, he lived. It's another amazing story. Okay? Here the people are impatient along the way. They're, again, missing some water. Now they're missing bread. They had manna. They were getting tired of it. They had it every day, three meals a day. God says he's going to pour it out until it's coming out their nostrils, that and the birds. And they were impatient. They grumbled and complained to Moses. Now, wouldn't you, don't you wish you were Moses? <laughs> Imagine you're the leader of three million people, and you're here. They're probably not saying too much when things are going well, but as soon as the first sign of trouble comes, they're coming and grumbling and complaining. And he's like, what am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to fix this? So uh, on life's journey, we can get impatient along the way too, can't we? Uh, we can start looking at the wrong things. And we start looking at the wrong things, we focus on the wrong things, we'll start forgetting the good things. And we forget the good things, we'll be quick to start complaining, won't we? I mean, it's anybody. It's not, it's not, a, it's not just these guys. If we're looking at the wrong thing, it's, it's not hard to get into a place of complaining. I mean, you can, you, your flesh can naturally go there. Why didn't this happen? Why hasn't that happened? Why didn't this work out and that ha- worked out? But you have to you look at God, look at Him, and be thankful. It will, it will be good for you, <laughs> much better than grumbling and complaining. Grumbling and complaining is the worship language of hell, of the devil. It's not, it's not for the children of God to, to grumble and complain. We're all tempted to, and we probably all still do it from time to time, but we should be working, trying to work that stuff out of our lives because it's really saying, God, I'm not thankful for what you've done. I wish you'd do this. And he probably will do this eventually once he works this grumbling and complaining stuff out of our hearts. Okay, they went from bitterness, now they're dealing with grumbling and complaining. And uh, God wants to take care of that. So it says, the Bible says that God sent venomous snakes they bit the people. The people got very, very sick, and they started dying. There were people dying all over. It doesn't say how many died. It just says a lot of them died. And uh, God, Moses prays, and God again tells him something unusual. You imagine, uh, you imagine that you're the three million, and they're like, what's Moses doing? He's praying. Okay, well, what did God tell him? I don't know, but why are those guys over there chopping that tree down? That's their only source of shade. So what are they doing? He throws in, what is, what's he doing now? What'd God tell him? I don't know, I heard a rumor that he's going to, he told some guys to make a snake and put up on a pole. Well, what's that going to do? People are dying everywhere. And we don't know how long it took him to even to make this snake. He would have had to go collect bronze from somewhere, had to heat it up, and then he'd beat it and beat it and beat it, which you can see a picture of Christ there. They beat this metal and made it form into the image they're trying to make it into. They beat that thing, and then they had to cool it down and, and put the up on the pole and then let them look at it, okay? It would have taken some time. I don't, I, I'm not any kind of expert at any of those kind of things, and, uh, but it would take some time to build that, no matter how good or, uh, they are. And people are still dying while they're building the cross, while they're building this serpent. So um, uh, I want you to, once the snake was finished, and it lifted up the pole, 
It says anyone who looked at the serpent on the pole were healed. Okay? Now, the word looked here has a lot of meanings. It's not just a glance. It's not a, a peek. It's not just a quick look. But the word literally means see intellectually, to view, inspect, to guard, perceive, to feel, to understand, to enjoy, ascertain, discover, attend to, be fully aware of, comprehend, and investigate. Okay, it's not just a peek. I'm healed. Okay? And I can kind of relate that word look as our New Testament word believe. It's not just a peek. Well, I looked at the word. But what have you investigated it? Have you inspected it? Have you uh, discovered it, comprehended it? You know, have you dug into it to see what God's really saying to you? There's a difference there, just taking a peek and, and, taking, and, uh, and really believing. So this, this pole, this snake on the pole, represented three different things. One, it represented the devil. Uh, snake in the Bible is usually a symbol of the devil. It represented sin, the snake bite, the poison of sin that entered everyone's life when Adam sinned. And then the last representation, it represented Jesus. And it's really weird to think about how a snake on a pole could represent Jesus, but it did. Even Jesus said it did. In John 3.14, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must, must be lifted up. This is the exact reference to that exact story. Jesus saying, He's the Son of Man. He's saying, I must be lifted up in the same way. So what happened when the snake was lifted up? Everyone who looked at him, looked at this pole, was healed. What is he saying? Everyone that looked at, looks at Christ can be healed as well. It's in the same way. In the same way, it's the same thing. To be healed of your sin, to be healed of spirit, soul, and body, to be healed as we look at him. Not just take a peek, but as we really look at him. In verse 15, it says that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Amen. So uh, why did God use a snake as a type of a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament? The, the main thing I could come up with is found in 2 Corinthians 5.21, which I know many of you have memorized. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteous of God in him. Jesus actually became sin. He, all sin was imparted to him. It says he became sin who knew no sin, so you could become righteous. So he became sin, you became righteous. It's a beautiful exchange. Um, so... That's why he w it was symbolic of him on the pole, because he became sin while he was on the cross. Amen? It's hard to picture that. It's hard to comprehend that. It's hard to even receive that sometimes. But that's what the Bible teaches. It teaches in the Old Testament. I shared some this morning. And it teaches in the New Testament. So, in the same way, Jesus, our sin bearer, was lifted up, just as, just as all who looked at the bronze uh, snake were healed, all who look at Jesus for their health and healing can be as well. Not just peek, but take a look. Really look, investigate it. The stronger, the more, the more you dig into the Word of God and study it out, you will see what I'm telling you is the truth. I've been studying this stuff for over 20 years, and the more I study it, the more I see this is God's Word. The, the conflict is we don't always experience it in this life, and so we start believing what we've experienced more than we believe what He said, and that conflict can really be a pull in our heart of what we're going to believe. But if we believe the the natural effect and the, the what's going on what we see and experience that will be our, our our normal but if we can take hold of what he said and believe what he said we can have a different normal and see things happen differently and people getting healed okay we have to take a look look at it intelligently 
study it, examine, comprehend it. What did Jesus do for you on the cross? Okay, was it just a get to go to heaven when you die thing? Was there more than that? It was a whole lot more than that. A whole lot more, okay? So I got a quote here I'm going to read to you from the beautiful Sarah Tomlin. Where is she at? I had this written down from, I don't even remember when now. But it said, just like the Israelites had to look away from their snake bites and look at the serpent on the pole to be healed. We are supposed to look away from our pain and look to Jesus. I think that's awesome. That's really good. We're supposed to look away from our pain, our struggles, our situation, looking unto Jesus, the author, the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. Amen? That's cross number two. The third cross is um, the cross of Christ. We all know Jesus was bruised, he was crushed, he was beaten, and he was crucified for you and for me for nothing that he did, for what we were going to do. See, we weren't even born yet. The things we were going to do, things that happened before us, things that happened in the garden for all sin, for all time, he took it all on himself. And in Psalm 107, verse 2, it says, Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Okay? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. But many Christians don't know what they've been redeemed from. So how can they say it? How can they proclaim it out of their mouth? They're saying, let them say so. But they're walking around saying, so? <laughs> so? That's not what he's wanting you to say. He's wanting you to say what you've been redeemed from. You've been redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Well, what does that mean? We need to know what it means so we know what we're redeemed from so we know what to say. All right, we've got to say what God's telling us to say if we're going to partner with what he's doing, what, he, what, what he's accomplished. If we don't know what, we're rede- what we've been redeemed from, we're going to still be held in the clutches of the, of the, from the devil and the enemy. Amen? Redeemed to the Lord, say so. So what are we redeemed from? Number one, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. Okay? You're redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is from Galatians 3.13. It says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. By becoming a curse for us, what is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. There's another tree, another cross. He became, a, he became a curse. He became sin. He became cursed so you could be blessed. Amen. If you're trying to get blessed on your own merits, if you're trying to get blessed on your own, own goody-goody uh, two-shoes, uh, brownie list, check sheet, and attendance at church, it isn't going to work. You're going to get blessed because Jesus was cursed on your behalf. That's how you receive the blessings of God, is receive it by faith in what Jesus did for you, okay? So the cross of Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Now, the curse of the law is listed in Deuteronomy 28. There's 53 verses that talk about all these curses that's going to come upon the disobedient, right? There's 14 verses for the obedient, and there was 53 verses <laughs> for the disobedient. I guess he's really trying to let them know, don't go this way. Go this way. Come on, this way. I put before you life and death, blessing curses, but choose life this way, you know? So uh, just to list some of the things you're redeemed from, because you might not know. And if you don't know, you can't say so. Amen? If you don't know, you can't say so. So you're redeemed from the curse of confusion, from the curse of, re- of being rebuked, a curse of destruction and of sudden ruin. You're redeemed from that. Hallelujah. Man, I just felt the anointing on that. I don't know who that's for. Maybe it's for me. Ooh, <laughs> I don't know. what. Yeah, we're redeemed from that. And how can you say so if you don't know it? All right? You're redeemed from diseases, wasting diseases, consumption, fever, and inflammation. You need to say so. When that stuff tries to come upon you, you need to say so. How can you, again, how can you say so if you don't know? 
You're redeemed from boils, tumors, festering sores, and the itch. Praise God. <laughs> I'm going to say so. I'm redeemed from that. Every time someone mentions ticks, fleas, or lice, man, I'll start scratching my head. <laughs> I don't know. I've never had lice or anything before, but every time someone says it, I'll notice like, I'll start scratching. But I need to say so. I remember redeemed from that. Any kind of itch, boils, tumors, festering sores, you are redeemed from it. You need to say so. You are redeemed from madness, blindness, confusion, or bewilderment of, bewilderment of heart. That could, sounds like a few diseases I can think off the top of my head. Dementia and things like that. You're redeemed from that. All right? You say, but pastor, I'm, I, can't, I can't do but pastor. i got to say but God. I have to do what did God say. He says I'm redeemed from those curses, and I need to say so and agree with him. Another one. You're redeemed from fearful plagues on you and your descendants, harsh and prolonged disasters, and severe and lingering illnesses. Praise God. Praise God. Amen? I, go, I need to hear some more. You guys say this. The redeemed of the Lord need to say so. Amen? You are redeemed from lingering illnesses. You are redeemed from sudden disasters, uh, prolonged disasters, harsh uh, for you and your children. You're redeemed from that. Amen? You're redeemed, another one, you're redeemed from every kind of sickness and disaster that wasn't even recorded in the book. Have you read that? The bird flu and things hadn't been invented yet, so you're redeemed from that too. Or other kind of flu they make up and stuff that's called whatever, and you're redeemed from that too. And guess what? we got to say so. You're redeemed from being unsuccessful in everything you do and oppressed and, and robbed continually. You're redeemed from that. Hallelujah. You're redeemed from the hand of the enemy. You're redeemed from the thief. The destroyer. Amen? You're redeemed from being defeated by your enemies. Praise God. You still have enemies, and they're not people. There's spiritual forces of wickedness that will try to come at you, and they'll even try to dictate your emotions. They'll try to put, whisper these thoughts into your head and make you believe those thoughts are coming from you. Or they'll whisper thoughts in your head to make you think that that person's thinking that thought about you. And next thing you know, you've got this suspicion going on and this lack of trust going on and this uh, mistress... Uh, accusations in your mind and thinking that they must be thinking this and they must have said that they must have, and it's, 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 it's demons and we all hear it don't think you don't because you, you definitely do it doesn't take too long you, you get one fit of anger and guess what you're going to hear Hoo-wee. <laughs> you're going to have every accusation you can imagine about that person you'll make up things in your head if you let it that you would never even think about when you're thinking normally you'll invent stories speculation and things like that I'm telling you, demonic forces will try to come at you and whisper these things in your head, and you have to recognize it, bind them, tell them to shut their mouth. There's a wall of blood between me and you. I have the helmet of salvation on my head. I'm going to believe what God says. I'm not going to think about my brother or sister that way. They are not thinking that of me. And if they are, that's between them and God. I love them, and I'm going to, I'm going to keep loving them. I'm going to release the love of God. I'm not going to let my heart get hard because I had a fear of speculation of something that didn't even happen. They're not even thinking that thing. They're not even, they're not even going there. But the all right, what do you say? Take captive every thought. Make it obedient to Christ. That means you're going to get some thoughts that didn't come from God. Didn't even come from you. And we have to recognize those and know you're redeemed from the enemy. How can we beat an enemy if we don't know what he's doing? Amen? Your, your imagination gets the best of you easily. All right? Uh, you know, it's dark at night. You're hearing stuff. 
you know, what's, what's, what's going on. You're, you have a child or something on the road. They haven't got home on time. Your, my, your imagination is saying, oh, he must have stopped to say hi to a friend. Or they picked up a homeless guy and they're driving him home. And they're paying for him to get in a hotel. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, they died. <laughs> they're in a wreck. And it's your mind just going, you know, where's that coming from? It's either coming from your own fear or it's coming from the enemy's voice that's trying to torment you. If he can't take you to hell, he can, he's going to try to torment you as much as he possibly can. Right? He's a poor loser. He's going to get small victories if he can't get big victories. And it's up to us if you're going to let him do it. But if you don't recognize it as this is coming from the enemy and just think, well, this is just my thoughts, or, well, let's be realistic. This happened to my neighbor. This happened to... What did God say? We need the Lord need to say so. Right? One thousand might fall over here, 10,000 over here, but we'll not come near my dwelling place. Amen? That's what God said. Okay? So uh, you are redeemed from being defeated by your enemies. That means you have absolute authority, absolute dominion over your enemies, over principalities and powers, over demonic forces that try to invade your home. But uh, my people, the Bible says, are destroyed because of lack of knowledge. If you don't recognize what they're trying to do to you, they can torment you. And it's not fun being tormented, is it? Man, you can just feel it, just like, oh, I hate this. Why am I feeling this way? Ding, 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 ding. It's a demon doesn't mean you have demons. doesn't mean you're possessed by demons. It means a demonic spirit is trying to whisper things into your ear and make you feel tormented or make you feel stressed or anxi- anxiety or the bills aren't going to get paid this month. And rah, rah, rah. That's not the Holy Spirit, guys. He's going to say, I shall provide for you all your needs according to my riches in Christ Jesus. I will take care of you. You know, I'm going to do these things. So you're redeemed from being at the bottom. Okay. You can, you're now can be on the, always on top, not the bottom, okay? You're redeemed from fear, and you're redeemed from a bunch of other things as well. If you go through and read those, what is it, 43 or 53 verses, you go through and read those and see what you're redeemed for, and then go from, and yes, what, you need to say so. Amen? If we, you're not going to receive something that you don't know has been, already been provided for you, okay? All right, so another thing you're redeemed from as you're redeemed from generational curses, okay? And you have to know it so you can say so as well, okay? I'm going to show you these a couple of verses here from Ezekiel and Jeremiah. It says, what do you people mean by quoting this proverb? We should have, yeah, we have it there. Uh, uh, about the land of Israel. The fathers eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, you will no longer quote this proverb in Israel. For every living soul belongs to me, the Father as well as the Son. Both alike belong to me. The soul who sins is the one who will die. So he's saying there, there's a day coming when no longer will the sins of the fathers be passed down to the third and fourth generation. But the Son's going to be responsible for what the Son does. The Father's going to be responsible for what the Father does. He's going to judge each one individually and not uh, being punished for what their fathers or, or mothers did. You know, the thoughts of your life being punished because of what someone else did, that's kind of a... A icky, bad feeling to carry around, like, great, because my dad did this, or my mother did this, or my grandmother did this. i got to have this reputation now for my life the whole way through. You can feel that way, and uh, I've known people that have felt that way, but guys, that doesn't have to be the truth. You can decide how you feel about your family, no matter what they've done, no matter who they belong to, or no matter what they practiced, or stole, or sorcery, or whatever they were, <laughs> I mean, whatever they're involved, witchcraft, or whatever. You don't have to let what someone else thinks of your family members 
or you determine how you feel about your family and about yourself. Amen? It's like that shame thing I was feeling earlier. Take that shame off and receive the love of God. Amen? So, um, I remember one time I was going through the house, and I was praying. I was praying in tongues, walking through the house. I was home alone. And uh, I think I've told you this, Taylor. I was in Taylor's room. All of a sudden, I felt like just the power of God hit me in a strong way. And I was feeling like the sins of my father were, were, were going to punish me or something. And then I felt like my sins were going to punish Taylor. I was just having this, just, you know, just, I don't know how to describe it, just this thought of boom, it just came at once in different angles. Like, what is this? And it's really odd. I just stopped there in his room, prayed longer. Like, God, what are you saying? I heard him say, sour grapes. Like, what? Sour grapes? I'm like, how? That must not be. How could that possibly have anything to do with anything I'm feeling or sensing right now? Well, let's keep reading. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you that. So we read Ezekiel. Now let's read Jeremiah. 3129. In those days, people will no longer say, The fathers have eaten sour grapes, and the children's teeth have been set on edge. So when I heard sour grapes, I went in and I, I punched my Bible program, sour grapes, and then all these verses popped up like, huh, I didn't even know that was in the Bible. It says, Instead, everyone will die for his own sins. Whoever eats sour grapes, his own teeth will be set on edge. Sour grapes there is referring to when they sin, they're going to be punished for their own sin not uh, punished for their father's sin or something like that. And these scriptures talk about a day coming, but no longer are they going to be judged for what their grandfather, great-grandfather, father, or anyone else did, but only for their own stuff, okay? So my question to you now is, has that day come? We need to know if it's come, because if we're redeemed from the generation of curses, we need to know it, amen? So in 1 Peter 1.18, it says, For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed. You were redeemed. From the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers. So it says that you already have been redeemed from those things that your forefathers did. That means somewhere along the road that those sour grapes prophecies from Ezekiel and Jeremiah have already come to pass. Amen? And so my quick brain thought, well, it must have happened at the cross. It seemed like everything else happened at the cross. So I went back and started reading John and the other accounts of the crucifixion and things like that to try to see if there's some hint that connects the sour grapes to, uh, in our generation curses to us being redeemed from those things. So in John 19, 28, we have uh, later, knowing that all was now completed, and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said on Thursday. So before you go on, if you go back, it says he did this. So he was really thirsty, but he says he said it because he wanted to fulfill scripture. Even at that moment, and that kind of agony, and that kind of pain, what he was carrying, the sins of the world, the sicknesses and diseases of the world, he was carrying guilt, shame, condemnation, carrying everything of mankind on the cross to fulfill a scripture, just one scripture. Okay? Couldn't he say, well, hey, I've done enough. I don't need to fill that one. Come on, I, I've, look at, I've been beaten all day. I'm hanging here, I'm bleeding, and, and I, I'm, I'm about to die. No, but he honors the word, amen? If he honored the word, in this moment, will he not honor the word right now in your life and my life? At that, if he's going to do it then, will he not do it now? So let's see. He says, I'm thirsty. In 29, a jar of wine vinegar was there. So they soaked a sponge in it. They put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop, a hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. What did he drink? Sour grapes, sour wine, okay? He drank sour wine at the cross. He took it in himself. 
so that the curses from the generational sins of your grandfather, great-grandfather, third and fourth generation, would be you'd be redeemed from those things and no longer judged from those things, just like Ezekiel said. And Jeremiah said, there's a day coming that you're not going to get judged for their mistakes, but you'll be judged by what you did. And now, praise God, we're actually judged by what Jesus did. Amen? If we're in Christ. We're not even, if you're redeemed from the, if, uh, and you're born again and saved, you're not even judged anymore for what you did. You're judged by what Jesus did. When God looks at you, he sees Jesus. <laughs> he says, innocent. He says, free, clean, saved, holy, sanctified, set apart. My son, my daughter, I love them. I mean, they're, they're mine. He said, they're, no, no, they're, they're mine. Okay, they're protected, sealed by the blood of Jesus. So when I saw that uh, verses, I got pretty excited because I was like, you know, I don't have to believe these lies anymore that if I'm not the perfect parent or my dad wasn't the perfect parent or whatever, or my mother wasn't, whatever wasn't, that I got to have these bad things in my life or these guys got to come on me or, oh, I ruined everything. Oh, man, I suck. I just, ooh, and you just beat yourself up. <laughs> I mean, you wait. If you don't have kids yet, you might feel those things. <laughs> like, what could I have done better? What could I have done? It's hard. It's hard being a parent. I love being a parent, but it's the pressure, the responsibility sometimes is hard. It's heavy. And uh, that, that day in Taylor's room as I was praying, I just felt this weight lift off my shoulders as Jesus was telling me, look, I drank those sour grapes. You're not cursed. Taylor's not cursed. The other kids aren't cursed. They're blessed. And it's all because of Jesus. Amen? I'm thankful for that. So, so then to me, it doesn't make sense that in the first cross we looked at uh, that there was emotional healing, and after that there was a covenant of divine health. Wouldn't it make sense if it was in that first type of cross? Wouldn't it be illogical to be in, in the actual prototype, which is Christ? Hmm? Logical? It is to me. But the second cross, we see physical healing, and we see a type and shadow of us being liberated from the snake bite and the effects of sin in our lives. If that's a type and shadow in the second cross, wouldn't that be fulfillment in the cross of Christ? I think so. And... Uh, in the third cross, we see Jesus suffer and die in our place so that we could give him what we have and he could give us what he has. Amen. It's been a beautiful exchange. And the redeemed of the Lord need to say so. They didn't know what they've been redeemed from so they can't get sucked into these little traps and tricks of the enemy because he has schemes and devices that he tries to take us out with. If he can just make you feel guilty for a couple of days, that's good with him. He can make you feel condemned for two, three days. Well, that's, that's good for him. He's, like, he's getting these small victories, and he, he's good with that because he knows that you, just, you mention the name of Jesus, you mention the blood of Jesus, you mention the authority of the believer, you mention who you are and the redeemed Lord saying so. He knows you resisting the devil. He has to flee. There's no, there's no arm wrestle here. There's no tug of war. There's no tilly wings game or eeny, meeny, miny, mo. You do what you've got to do, and you stand on the word of God. He must flee. And he knows it, so he can get these little minor victories in your life to make you feel fearful and, and turmoil and, and stressed and anxious and uh, suspicious or guilt, guilty or condemned. Those minor victories to him is, is all he has for you. But he only has those if you give them to him. If you know you've been redeemed from fear, if you know you've been redeemed from these things, you say so, and when you say so, the forces of God go behind your words and back up your words. All of heaven backs you up and pushes out those forces of darkness so the Holy Spirit can come in and flood your home. So these demonic forces trying to make you feel suffocated and closed in and, and compressed and scared and terrified and everything. Amen? Amen. So look at what Jesus did for us. He became sin so we could become righteous. Amazing, huh? 
We talk about how much God hates sin and things like that. And he became sin. He became cursed so we could be blessed. He became poor so that we could be made rich. And I'm not uh, making that one up. That's a scripture as well. If you don't want to be rich, I'm sorry, but um, you need prayer if you don't. Because you're really, the only reason I can think of that someone wouldn't want to be rich is they're prideful. And they want to have false humility in their poverty and think they're suffering for Jesus. (laughs) Well, no, you're not suffering for Jesus. Jesus suffered for you, amen? Get over yourself, I'm just saying. All right, let me get started over here. He became sin so you could be made righteous. He became cursed so you could be blessed. And he became poor so you could be rich. And he became sick so you could be healthy. And they say, now, does it say that, Pastor? Does it say that in the Bible? Well, yes, it does. It does say it. And I'll show you multiple places. I can show you multiple places, but for time, I'm going to show you one. Now, if you have your Bible app on your phone, you can pull it up if you want to. Well, you might not have service here, so never mind. Uh, unless you have it downloaded, then it will probably work for you. But in Isaiah 53, it's not translated quite correctly, but if you look it up in the Bible app, you can look, pull this up on uh, BibleGateway.com, punch this in, whatever version you want. I did it in the New King James. But it shows you what these words literally, it says literally means this, but they have a different word in there because they didn't believe this was true. They couldn't believe this would be actually what the Word of God says, so they changed it, even though they... You look it up, and the commentary would say the word literally means sickness. It literally means pain, but they put griefs and sorrows, okay? So it says, he was despised, someone Jesus, and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. The word for sorrows there is pain, pains, and the word for grief is the word sicknesses. And they translated that wrong for whatever reason. I don't know why, whether it's intentional or whatever. Every other place in the Bible, they did it the right way. Here, they didn't. We don't know why. But you look it up yourself. It says literally it means pains and sicknesses. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs. Again, the word is sicknesses there. Surely he has borne our sicknesses. He has carried our sorrows, the word pains. Yet we esteemed him stricken, Spitten by God and afflicted. We're thinking that God was punishing him when he was being punished for us. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He laid all of our sin on Jesus. He laid all of our sickness and diseases on Jesus, our griefs, our sorrows. He laid our shame, our rejection. All those things were laid on Jesus. He bore them all for us so you can know that you're accepted in the beloved. You're not rejected. You're the healed of the Lord that the devil tries to make sick. That's that's your covenant. If they had a, a covenant of divine health in the Old Testament, wouldn't we in this new and better covenant have the same thing? Amen. And sometimes when sickness and disease comes to our house and, or, and you know, colds, allergies, whatever it is, we've got to remember what we're redeemed from and say so. Amen? It's okay to take some allergy pills and stuff. I'm not against whatever. But you also, I think you need to say so. You're redeemed from this stuff. Tell your body. Remind yourself who you are, what Christ did for you on the cross. He, he says, surely he took your sins and carried your diseases. 
He said, surely, surely, truly, truly, verily, verily, son, I'm trying to get you to see this. You can't just take a peek. You've got to look at it. You've got to look at it intellectually. You've got to study this thing. You've got to comprehend this thing. I took your sin. I took your sickness. I took your poverty. I took your lack. I took all the things on myself so you can be these other things. You give me what you have, I'll give you what I have. You'll be blessed according to his riches in Christ Jesus. Not, of course, according to our poverty on this earth. Amen? There's been a beautiful exchange in the redeemed of the Lord to say so. If we don't say so, we're not going to walk in the things that he's already paid for for us. Amen? Amen. So, I mean, I feel fired up right now. <laughs> that was good word. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. That was good. The word is good. Amen? It is good. And sometimes the word is so good, it's like, can I really believe that? And you're going to have to come to that. You're going to have to study it out yourself. You're going to have to get to this place where, am I going to believe what God said? Or are I going to believe what my grandmother said? Am I going to believe what God said? Or am I going to believe what I experienced? And they might be the same thing. They might not be the same thing. And you're going to have to choose one over the other. But I'm telling you, if you study this out uh, and not let it be biased by what you've experienced, but let it be biased by what God said, you'll, you will see that it's the will of God for you to be healthy. It's the word of God for you to be blessed financially. It's the will of God for you to be, have a strong family and a strong marriage and healthy children and grow up in the ammunition of the Lord and just good things. Amen? And we, we have to partner with what God says in his word for those things to happen. For example, it's God's will for us to have great marriages, right? But if you and your home are being a, I don't know, what's the nice word? Jerk. Uh, <laughs> you're being, you know, mouthy and critical and you're just bringing poison into your family, it's still God's will for you to have a good marriage. It's still God's will for you to have a union together. But if you're not partnering with what God said to walk in love and lay down your life for your wife and, and she's to honor the husband and all those things, you're not doing those things, it doesn't matter what God's will is if you're not going to cooperate with God's will. He's not going to sovereignly intervene in your home so you make your house this peaceful place. He's given you authority and power to do it. He's given you the power to release your words in that house. He's given you the power to use your patience and self-control to release and speak good things in your house to each other and to your children and make an atmosphere of holiness and peace in your home. Amen? It is God's will for you to have a great marriage, but it's also God's will for us to walk in the fruit of the Spirit and walk in the character of God and be like our Father and release those godly words to each other. Amen? Anybody can... Be critical and judgmental and fault-finding. It doesn't take any skill. I've said this many times, but it takes skill. It takes practice to see the gold in somebody and call that out of them and tell them who they are through God's eyes. Amen? So in the same way, the, the will of God doesn't automatically happen in our finances or automatically happen in our marriages. It doesn't automatically happen necessarily in our healing as well, but it will happen as we meditate on His Word, put in our hearts, that it come out of our mouths and believe what the Word says, and we'll receive what He says. Amen? That's, that's how it works. It isn't this blanket thing. Was, people say something like, well, it's God's will is going to happen. Well, read the Bible. It's filled with ifs. If you do this, I'll do that. If you do this, I'll do that. And they take this sovereign will of God thing, and they pervert it to an awful corruption of who God really is. If everything happens sovereignly, then I, I just feel like I might as well kill myself now. <laughs> like if, Because God, God's the rapist, God's the murderer, God's the this, God's that, and there, we don't need a devil. God does everything. Amen? But if there's things happen because God gave each person a free will, and people can do evil things and good things, it's their choice, then that can still make me look at God in the right way. You know, not in a perverted way. Amen? Yeah.
I'm going to jump off now before I <laughs> land somewhere else. Uh, praise God. So tonight, uh, I think it already has been a special night, like, uh, like uh, Sarah said. She felt like God say. But uh, there's, there's some tonight that have any kind of illness, some kind of pain, sickness, back pain, or whatever's going on. I want to pray and believe God for people to get healed. Amen? There's emotional stuff. There's bitterness you need to take care of. My goodness, you need to take care of it. Let, let, look at the cross. Look at what that tree was chopped and beaten and beaten and beaten again and thrown into that water so those bitter waters can be made sweet. Look at that. Look at that in your life. And let him take that bitterness out of there and make it sweet in there. And get that time of refreshing afterwards. Amen? If, if, uh, so that's you, whether you need some emotional prayer, you need some physical healing prayer, if you need some prophetic words, we're going to believe God and release all of it. Because it's the heart of God for you, amen? It is His heart. So I'm going to pray, and then we're going to see who needs prayer, and then we're going to just have, go into ministry time. So God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for types and shadows hidden all through the Old Testament for us to find and discover. I thank You for... Uh, you, Holy Spirit, for bringing, taking what belongs to the Father, making it known to us, your will. God, I pray your blessing on each one here. I think that signs follow the preaching of your word. And you are Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. That's emotionally, it's physically, it's financially, it's health in every way. So God, I just thank you that for your heart for us, your encouragement, and your blessing. 